Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. For this episode, we were on location at Park Country Club outside Buffalo speaking with our friend Scott Dotson. For those not familiar with the name, Scott is the superintendent who was involved in an inspiring kidney transplant earlier this year. Scott received a kidney from Transit Valley Country Club Superintendent Brian Kahn. During our visit to Buffalo, we caught up with both Brian and Scott, and we decided it would be cool to do a podcast with Scott to discuss how he's feeling. But we also get into Scott's background. His father was a golf course superintendent, and his brothers are golf course superintendents. And we also discuss with Scott longevity. Scott's been at Park Country Club for nearly 26 years. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Scott is always gracious with his time, so we were glad that he was able to join us. Well, Scott, thanks for having us at, at Park Country Club. How are you feeling right now, and how do you feel now compared to how you feel, felt last October? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> right now, um, this is as good as I felt in, in a long, long time. And in fact, it's very hard to remember when I felt this good. Um, and, and if I rolled back the clock, you know, to say 17, 16, and, and 2015, the way I feel right now, I now realize how horrible I felt those, those past three years. And I, 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 I wonder a little bit right now, uh, honestly, how I did it. Um, you know, I've, I've thought about that quite a bit. Like I really, you know, and, and how I feel right now, I just don't know how I actually made it through those three years, you know, just, just not just family life and everything, but work, everything, you know, I just, it's uh, I don't know, it's kind of remarkable. I guess maybe it's just, I don't know, determination, guts. You just know you have to get up and go and provide for a family and yourself. But that's, that's kind of, that's, it's, it's, the difference is huge. You underwent the transplant in January. When did you get back to working full time and how good did it feel to get back here to, to the club? Yeah, I transitioned. The transplant was January 9th of uh, 2018, so this year. And um, I started to slowly get back into work. I mean, I was always in touch with Jim Fry, the assistant here, and through email or phone call. And in fact, on my weekly visits to, to you know, between Buffalo and, and uh, Rochester to go to Strong, you know, I would drop in. Um, probably once a week and just just say hi and see how everything's going and we chat but uh, and I just sort of eased myself into it I think it was I think it was probably like late April early early May that I, I started pretty much on a on a full-time basis and then just you know went from there you didn't really know Brian that well before the, the transplant procedure what is the last year been like getting to know him better and how is that relationship progressed yeah Brian I mean Brian and I obviously we knew each other really just just from the business as far as you know we've served on boards together and and you know we'd see each other at meetings but we weren't very very close well um, I can honestly say now the dynamic of our relationship is uh, I can say he's brought as closest to a brother as you could probably get so and our families have become close we've gotten to, you know, to know one another and we've gotten together as families and we try and do it as much as we can. So in fact, we're, uh, we're already making plans to, uh, you know, uh, going to GIS in San Diego and we're already making plans. I know my wife is going and, and Jen, Brian's wife is going and, and, uh, 
you know, the four of us plan to get together, get out there a couple of days early and maybe do a little sightseeing in San Diego. So we're, we're kind of looking forward to that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's totally a, a whole new dynamic. When we wrote the story earlier this year, it was mainly about you and Brian and the procedure and medicine. One thing that I didn't really get to touch on just because of space was you come from a agronomic family, Scott. Just explain your background and how you got into the business and all the connections you have in the golf industry. Well, I'm originally from I'm originally from uh, north of Toronto, Ontario, mm-hmm. and my father was a golf course superintendent. Um, he's a, he was a 50-year GCSAA member. Um, my oldest brother, Paul, who's actually, he's at uh, Silver Springs in Calgary, and he's actually in his last year. He's retiring, but he's been in the business his whole life. Um, and my brother, Bruce, is a golf course superintendent at Heritage Hills in Barrie, near Barrie, Ontario. And he's a, actually a part owner of the facility as well. Your, your family's agronomically involved in two countries thanks to you being over here in the United States was was this what you always wanted to do was this the path you were always going to take actually yeah it's kind of an interesting story to that I originally I grew up you know we grew up at a my dad was golf course superintendent Maple Downs uh, golf club in a private club north of Toronto in Maple Ontario and that's actually I did all my growing up there and worked for my dad and in at, uh, in, in Canada and in high schools, we have what's called, we don't go to a, your senior year is not cl- called grade 12. It was actually back then, it was grade 13. It was almost like being a, a freshman at a, at a, a U.S. college. That, that was the, the type of courses that we had. But So my lat, my 13th year, we sent our transcripts into a, a college in Toronto called Ryerson. I actually wanted to look at going into golf course architecture. I actually enrolled in landscape architecture. Well. Um, I guess it wasn't meant to be, um, whether Ryerson or, or Richmond Hill High School where I went to, my transcripts got lost and I didn't get in. So I actually took that year off and, you know, worked for my dad and then found another job in the winter and then thought, you know, we talked about it and I thought, well, you know what, I think I'm going to go into the turf management end of it, gave it a lot of thought, so I applied for the University of Guelph. and. Uh, that's uh, a way we a way we went from there. Yeah, it, yeah. Here in the United States, we talk a lot a lot about the Penn States and the Michigan States and the NC States and the other good turf gr- programs. Explain what going to Guelph was like and all the people that have come through there. That had to be a great exchanging of turf grass information during during that time, like it is now. Yeah, we. I mean, Guelph at the time, and I know even today, it's probably still ranked as probably Canada's top. Uh, turf school. I mean, and it's and it's a huge university. I mean, there's there's you know College of Veterinary Science, and they got a huge uh, uh, hotel uh, administration program, things like that. But uh, and, and sciences and that. But um, at our family, my brother Bruce, who the one uh, at Heritage Hills, the superintendent there, he's a Guelph grad. And of course, when we get together as a family, my brother Paul, he's a Penn State grad. So we, uh, we certainly have some, there's some interesting family conversations there about uh, uh, Penn State, Guelph, and, and the attributes of all of them and some of our exploits when we went to college. But yeah, there, it's, uh, it's, it's, it makes for an interesting family dynamic at uh, holiday dinner times. Yeah, how much turf talk is there at family dinner times? Do you guys try to get away from it or is it something that you bounce ideas off even when you're in a informal setting well we try and we we try and stay away from it a bit simply because of you know 
uh, all the kids and the wives aren't aren't all in the business. Um, my 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 oldest brother Paul, he has actually probably his kids. He probably has the most connection because his son Matthew is a course superintendent at uh, Orchard Beach in Keswick, Ontario, and his uh, my niece, his daughter Katie. Uh, now just uh, took on a huge job at Syngenta, and she's actually Syngenta World Headquarters in Basel, Switzerland. Yeah, and she's she's been with Jacqueline Seed and University of Guelph. She's got her PhD from Guelph, and she was actually uh, uh, in charge of the turf program at Olds College um, in Alberta for a little while, and then now she's in Switzerland. So, but yeah, we it the talk will though uh, we will talk about turf because I think we've probably learned. And I'm sure my, my two brothers would agree. I think we've probably learned a lot off of each other just, you know, in discussions. And, and you know, I mean, obviously, let's face it, that's what the three of us do for a living. So the, the conversation's going to go there. But it's it's certainly not dominated because there's lots of grandkids now and things like that. So to, to keep us occupied. But You arrive here at Park in February 1993. You were somebody who wanted to study golf course architecture but never got the chance because of a fluke occurrence. How awesome was it to come to a club like this that has the type of architectural and golf history like Park has? I, you know, when I when I looked at it, obviously, you know, did a little research on it at the time, but I just didn't realize how, um, you know, how the stature of this club and in, in this community, and, and I, I certainly realized it very quickly when I got here, and 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 there's a, there's a lot of and, and like Buffalo itself, there's a. It's an amazing city. There's a lot of rich history in this city, and it's uh, it's it's really fantastic. And and yet, you know, the the wonderful thing about it, you know, is it's it's you know, I'm in, I'm in the U.S. working, and but I'm so close to home. Uh, and uh, you know, you know, we're only about an hour and a half drive to Toronto. So, and of course, but Buffalo has all the entertainment you need. I think I think I think Buffalo is probably one of the best kept secrets in this in the United States. Talk to a lot of people that. You know, there's a lot of people that move away and come back and realize, you know, what they missed. And, and I know people that, that have moved here. And, you know, Buffalo over the years, for whatever reason, being an older industrial city or the weather because of the so-called snowfall that we get here, um, it gets a bad rap. And I think what, what, what you find is people like myself or other people now, the city's really expanding now, the, the Buffalo Medical Corridor and that. And you're watching people move here. And they're a little, you know, there's a little, I think, trepidation with them when they come here because they've heard some of the negative. But they get here and they may have young families and they just say it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's a great place. And I'll have to admit, I mean, my, both of my children were, were pretty much, you know, we're from Canada. They were very young when they moved here. They were both, you know, Rachel and Jason were, were seven and, and four, respectively, when we moved here. And they both live here. They're making their life here. And it was just a wonderful place to uh, raise a family. It's just a great, great place. What's the key to lasting more than 25 years at the same job in this business? Not a lot of people have been able to work at one place as long as you have. Why have you been able to make it work for so long here at Park Country Club? It's a whole mix of everything. I think a lot of it is, is it starts with your members, your people. Uh, and again, it sort of comes back to this Buffalo connection. I mean, this really... This area, you know, they call it the city of good neighbors. Uh, uh, I mean, there's just this this work ethic, this vibe in Buffalo that you don't see you don't see in other places. And 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 I think they appreciate hard work. And I think if you, you know, 
your mantra, you do that, you, you do the job for them, they respect you, and, um, you know, you just, you know, you try and stay current, uh, you know, you give them the best golf course you possibly can, and, um, you know, I think it just, I think it's a good recipe, it's just a good mix, there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of egos, it's just, it's really a, it's just really a great club, they've been super to work for, they really have, I mean, they've treated me, uh, they've treated me extremely well um, over all the years, and, and uh, it's, it's been a great experience. This club has hosted the, the PGA Championship and a lot of other noteworthy events. How has the golf course changed in the time that you've been here? Is it the same course as it was in the early 90s, or is it completely different? To my knowledge, there's been no nines flipped or anything, and I do know that the original routing, is all, it's all there, um, you know, especially in Ian Andrew. Um, out of Brantford, Ontario, is our is our architect. Um, he's he's done uh, master plans for us here, and we've we just finished a last year. We just fin in in late seventeen, late fall of seventeen. We just finished a one point four million dollar renovation on the club with uh, you know total bunker restoration, um, uh, new new forward and mid tees, um, and and it's just been it's been a nice transformation. We've done uh, a lot of our. A lot of our, there's not rough up against all the greens. There's a lot of what we call runoffs and short turf expansion around every green. And that certainly has changed the look of the golf course. It's, it's brought some different elements of the game. It's brought the ground game back into play, uh, which is really, a, I think, a great, great part of golf where you can, you know, look at hitting a variety of different clubs. And, and you know, where from, like, you can putt 30, 40 feet, 50 feet, uh, you know, 30 yards off a green or you know you can use your sand wedge your bump and run you, you can do whatever I mean it's just there's a variety of shots uh, out there but it's just you know I just I just think it's a it's a really good uh, everyday members golf course I mean it's it's enough of a challenge I mean I don't it, it won't beat you up but it can um, you know you miss greens all day and you know it, it, it's it's a, it's a it gets to be a tough up and down but yeah it's been there's a lot of changes over the years, you know, subtle as we go. Obviously, I think more people notice it from the outside than I do because I'm here every day. But, you know, I, I think the biggest the biggest uh, compliments we get are people that maybe played it 15, 20 years ago and then they play it for the first time in the last year or so and they just are remark, remark on how much the course has changed and just, you know, how much, you know, more playable it is and just more interesting. And, you know, we brought... Fairways, uh, uh, we used to only have about 23 acres of fairway when I got here. Now we have 30. Um, all the fairway bunkers now are, are pretty much in play, where some of them were out of play because they used to have anywhere from 10 to 15 yards of rough between the fairway and the bunker. Now on a lot of the fairway bunkers, the literally the fairway runs a matter of a couple of feet right up to the edges of the bunker. So everything's back into play. We try and keep it, you know, albeit Mother Nature can have other ideas, but we try and keep it as firm and fast as we can. I think it's a lot more enjoyable game that way. What type of people work on your crew and how deep does loyalty run in a place like Buffalo? We have a lot. I mean, we're running 20 to 21 people um, at full staff in the middle of the summer. Um, there's, uh, I have six full-time staff year-round and uh, I mean some of them now uh, you know, our, our, just to give you an example, our, our mechanic, uh, Fiore Capocci, he's been here 38 years. Uh, my horticulturist, Gary Thompson, he's been here 27. 
Uh, you know, we've got a few other employees that are into, you know, nine, ten, eleven years. Uh, another one, uh, another one of our employees has been here fourteen. So there's a lot of longevity. And it's the same in the clubhouse too. There's been some, you know, there's just been some people that just retired. Uh, my former assistant was here uh, thirty-nine years. Yeah, Bill Brenner was here 39, so a lot of people in the clubhouse, there was people here for 30, 30 plus years. So I think that tends to show you what kind of a place it is for longevity and how they treat their employees. Um, that's certainly an indication of that, when you, and, you, and you see that throughout the club. So. How much more enjoyable does that make the job when you're working with familiar faces on a year-to-year -year basis? I think it means everything because then you can, you know, you can set plans in the motion, you know, who's coming back. So you can, you know, it helps with your, not just helps obviously with your staff playing, but it helps uh, all with your programs because you know who's going to be here. You know, you know, you, obviously uh, Jim Fry, uh, the assistant here, has done a great job of diversifying the, the employees as far as what jobs they can do and, and things like that. And it makes, makes things a lot easier to you know, juggle schedules and, and, and things like that. The more the more jobs that your staff can do, the better off it, it makes your whole operation. We joked before we started recording the podcast that Buffalo kind of has this reputation of being a city that's covered by snow for six months a year. It's not quite like that. In reality, what is this climate like and what are some of the agronomic pluses and minuses to being near the lake? Um, obviously, it's it's you know, winter, um, and, and I think Buffalo's gotten a bad rap. Uh, if you go back in history, there was a massive, massive snowstorm in, in 77, and they, there's books written about it here, the storm of 77, where the city was paralyzed for a week or so um, just because it was completely buried with snow. And, and a lot of people, the misconception of that storm is it was there was a lot of snow already on the ground, and it wasn't really the falling snow from that storm that created the problem. Lake Erie was frozen. It had feet of snow, foot, you know, just amazing amounts of snow on the ice. And the wind picked up that snow off the whole lake and literally uh, buffaloes downwind on the, on the eastern side of the lake. And it literally deposited all that snow from Lake Erie in, in the city. I mean, there was... Uh, I mean, snow, if you, you look at the pictures of it, there was snow up past rooftops, there was snow above the utility poles. So I think people see that, and every year, you know, you, you might see the guys from the Weather Channel up here, uh, you know, in a blizzard, and it, it, it depends on where you are. Yes, we do get lake effect snow, but, you know, I've been here 26 years now, and, I mean, our, our latest opening has only been April 7th. We're usually mowing grass in mid to late March. Uh, average opening here has been is March 30th. And, you know, uh, in my 26 years, we've actually even uh, done our final cuts for the season in the first part of December. You know, we've cut grass regularly up until November. I think, I think in the 26 years I've been here, I think we've only been uh, closed out as far as uh, play goes uh, before Thanksgiving, maybe four or five times. So as you can see, have we, I've seen snow in October. It won't last, but I've seen it. Um, so it's, it's, I think it gets a bad rap, but, uh, you know, and the summers are usually, now, of course, the exception to the rule was this summer because there was 
many, many 90 degree days of very, very humid, which is uncharacteristic of this, this, uh, this area. There, we can go some summers where we won't get a 90 degree day. It's usually pretty, pretty pleasant, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting climate. It certainly is. Speaking of interesting, we're recording this in mid-October and it's going to be 80 degrees today. What has what this season been like in particular? Um, to me, to me right now, it's it's sort of like the season that won't end. Um, you know, we're still here. We are uh, October 9th, and we're still, you know, we're still on full, uh, basically summer mowing schedules. Uh, you know, like up here in this area, mid September to latter September into the first part of October is kind of a, you know, it's supposed to be a time of, you know, healing recovery. I mean, really September, September was difficult. I mean, it was still humid, still very warm. Uh, areas that you wanted to recover from the summer ha hadn't quite, so we're starting to see it now, but it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's quite late, but, you know, we've been very wet too in the last month and a half, so which has been, a, obviously, keeping up with things has been a bit of a problem, but problem is with this weather, if you look at the long-range forecast, what's coming a high on Friday is going to be 48 degrees, so it's, it's going to come to a crashing halt, so you just hope it doesn't go from summer to winter all in a week, but... We haven't even had a frost. We haven't had a frost yet. Usually, usually we've had. We usually we get frost at least sometimes in in mid to late September, but we haven't had one yet. So I'm I'm sure we will soon, but hasn't happened yet. Scott, if a younger uh, superintendent came up to you, or an assistant superintendent, or somebody entering the business, and said, "Hey, I want to do this my entire life, like you have," what would you tell them? Well, I'll tell you. It's been. I mean, I. I'm a little biased, I guess, because I grew up with it. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, grew up at a private club. We lived right there on the property, so you know, it was a it was a job for me right out of the gate. Um, I just, it's a great life. Uh, it's it's like any job. It has its ups and downs. You have to deal with, you know, you got to deal with many personalities, many people. Um, you got to do your best to keep an even keel. Um, I think one of the things that I've learned through my career and advice that I could probably give to any younger guy starting in the business is to try and you want to try and do it all when you first get into business and you still have to remember that you have a life outside of work and I think the work-life balance there's a lot of superintendents that uh, don't have that and I think and, I, and, it, and it took me a long time to realize that um, and I think that's probably key. I think that's key to longevity, especially in the latter part of your career, is to not burn yourself out, to you know, stay re-energized, I think focused, and, and you've got to get away, and you've got to have family time. And I think you really need to, um, I don't know if hobbies or other interests, but you just, you need to, you know, because it can consume you. This, the, 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 the golf course can consume you. You're always thinking about it. Um, and you need to try and just, you need to do your best to step, it's easier said than done, but you need to try and step away from, from it for a little bit and, and uh, you know, to keep yourself kind of sane and current. Yeah, and as you're saying that, I'm staring around in your office and I see hockey pucks, uh, a poster for the movie Slapshot, a Toronto Maple Leaf stuffed animals. Obviously, hockey has been a big thing that has helped you improve your work-life balance over the years. Yeah, I, 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 played, I played for a long time. I played in... In uh, in the OMHA uh, as a kid, which is a which is a, a you know a travel travel hockey league in Ontario, 
Um, I played in college. Uh, you know, I, I coached for almost 30 years. I had the, the I had the the joy of coaching my son for a few years and watching him play and you know involved in the game. I've coached I coached teams that he wasn't on just because I, I you know it was kind of the love of the game. So. Um, you know, golf's a hobby too. I really enjoy playing, so you know, which is great. My wife plays, so it's a lot of fun. But yeah, and I enjoy watching. You know, obviously the NHL and and sports in general. I, I mean, I'm not a total crazy sports nut, but it's certainly it's a nice diversion at times. You know. But last thing here, Scott. Um, when you eventually look back on your career, what do you think 2018 will mean to you? Well. Um, I guess really, for me, it's um, um, I think with the with the kidney transplant, of course, and, and the way everything transpired. Uh, obviously, I've gained a um, incredible friend slash brother in life going forward. Uh, it's given me, it's really invigorated me. It's given me a basically, I think it, it's it's given me just a second chance at a more normal life, um, and. Um, you know, I guess I can sort of, I'll jump on the, the, the bandwagon here and, you know, if anyone, um, you know, to, I wear this green band that'll never come off. It says donate life. And I think just just if, if anybody could at ever sees it in their future to, to be a transplant, to, to provide somebody with a, an organ, uh, even, even the fact I tell people, even like just most states now have a program where just sign the back of your license and and be a donor um, you know I don't I mean as far as not being the most religious person in the world but I I think where, where you go if you go to another place I don't think you're taking your body with you so why not you know why not utilize those those could be a you know a, a God-giving gift to somebody that uh, that needs it so I mean that's it's certainly you know, it's certainly it's changed my perspective on a few things. I think just more to, you know, looking and enjoying life and looking at the latter stages here. Uh, you know, how long I'm going to work for when I decide to retire. I just think it's it just helped give me that. Uh, you know, I think I've just got a, a, a chance at a more normal life. So, well, Scott, thanks for the time and thanks for uh, everything you've done for the the golf industry. I know you've helped a lot of people out over the years and. Uh, you've also helped a lot of people out who've worked for this club. So thanks for your time, and we look forward to catching up with you again soon, because I know we will. Thanks, Guy. Thanks very much, and, and I appreciate everything that you've uh, done for myself and Brian and Golf Industry Magazine, and, and the article was fantastic, and I've gotten, you know, our members have gotten lots of copies through it uh, and, and have been very interested in it, and, and uh, I know there's certainly... Uh, I've certainly felt their love for, for sure because there's been there was a lot of people that checked in on me over over the winter and and whatnot and they're, I think they're just thrilled to see me uh, you know up and around in here so it's 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 a it's a good feeling it gives you that I think it I, I think what it does is it, it sort of lets me know sometimes I think as a person and, and when you're at a, a golf course superintendent when you've been at a facility as long as I have you sometimes have that little question mark you know, what do they really think of me? Well, I can honestly tell you with what I went through in my life, I certainly know how, what the people uh, at this club think of me. And it's, uh, it's uh, overwhelming actually to, uh, to, to think about it. Yeah, because it's, it's certainly all positive, so.